Welcome to Cat Chat, brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, the wonderful private company owned by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian whose personal mission is to formulate litters that keep cats using the litter box, which keeps them in their loving homes. I'm Tracy Hotchner, the author of The Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. My mission is to entertain, educate, and inspire cat lovers like you to give their kitty cats the best possible life in nutrition, affection, and environmental enrichment. With Dr. Elsie's support, the Cat Chat Show brings you interviews with cat authors and experts, some old favorites, some new conversations, so you can better understand and appreciate your own feline family members. Dr. Elsie's is also the founding and continuing sponsor of my New York Cat Film Festival, short films from around the world that celebrate the kitty cat, which will be back in theaters starting on Global Cat Day, October 16th, around the country, and will travel nationwide through 2022. Meantime, thanks to Dr. Elsie's, you can now see streaming versions of earlier festivals for free on Tubi TV. I am back with Dr. Michael Delgado, the cat consultant of my dreams. We have such a good time talking about everything cat. And boy, this psychopathy research study, which um, I've, I've talked to the lead researcher about, is certainly food for a conversation. Dr. Michael, when it first came on your radar, is your cat a psychopath? I'm sure that that very question seemed more than mildly offensive to you? Sure. When I see headlines like that, I do get a little um, frustrated. And I know certainly when you do research on things of this nature, the media can turn it into something different from what you intended. Right. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily want to blame the researchers for how their research got interpreted by the media or promoted by the media. I mean, people like clickbait, they like headlines, and they certainly like promoting the concept that there's something wrong with cats um, when they're just being cats. So, yeah, I wasn't happy to see the headlines. However, the word psychopathy, was that not in the study that involved over 2,000 cat owners? They used that word, psychopathy, which I have actually... I have to say, I've never seen the word before. Maybe the British use that frequently. I mean, we know that a person, a, you know, a violent or crazy person can be psychopathological, but I've never heard the word psychopathy, certainly as it relates to cats or dogs. Have you seen it before? It's, you know, you have a doctor in all these things. Have you seen yeah, that word I mean, floating around? No, you know, I got my... Um my bachelor's and PhD in psychology. So I do have a background in the field of psychology, even though what I researched was really more about animal behavior, but you do have to kind of learn about all the aspects of human psychology as well. And so, um, you know, we tend to, I think we kind of toss around the term psychopath, right? Which is the individual with psychopathic tendencies in the U.S. So that's something that we're familiar with. And, um, you know, this is based on the concept that this is an individual who is remorseless, unstable, antisocial, socially deviant. So really um, what we're talking about is like um, someone who is outside of the norms of acceptable human behavior, right? So things that we find uh, maybe morally or, um, you know, as as a kind of community, like what our norms are or what our accepted behaviors are. So someone who's operating outside of accepted behavior, um, is kind of how I would describe it in lay terms. Um, And, you know, like I said, even though I did study psychology, you know, psychopathy is not my area of expertise, but cat behavior is. And so, you know, I do get concerned when we're trying to assess 
um, cat behavior using a human model that we're kind of missing the mark. And that's kind of what I feel like is happening with this study. That was, is my initial reaction as well. But then if we become more granular and look at exactly what, 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 what are the five-point scales, what are the ways in which they're judging cats as being psychopaths outside sure. of acceptable or pleasant behavior, it's worrisome because the description of those behaviors describes an absolutely normal, natural, happy cat. So let's just back up to the idea, sort of theoretically. Okay. Of of humans, you studied human psychology, but then you shifted your focus as an academic research, um, you know, real life studying person to animals, but cats in particular. You're also quite knowledgeable about dogs as well. If somebody has only studied human psychology, why? And I'm not speaking in any negative way of the folks in Liverpool, but why does the focus then shift species to a species about which they clearly know nothing. I'm going to say know nothing because the questions don't even beg the question. The questions are like, what? You know, a horse that whinnies a lot is a psychopath. Really? A horse that rears is a psychopath. These are normal horse behaviors. But if someone decides to stamp a horse as dangerous because it mm -hmm. kicks out in a herd, oh, that's a normal horse behavior. So with cats, it seems... I don't know why they would attach to cats, but they these things have been done with dogs too. Where you yeah, and I think you apply you know, this one... human behavior to animals. Why are people doing this? Is it to get research money? Is it to get attention? Aren't there enough human psychopaths to look at and get to the bottom of? Don't we have a big <laughs> problem with the humans first? Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes you know a, a researcher you know gets an idea and then they just want to pursue it. And certainly, there are things that we do want to understand about the continuity between species, right? Like okay. we know that bodies evolve, and we also know that brains evolved and behavior evolved. So these are all um, like if you think about all animals, including humans, on a spectrum, then maybe you do want to compare species. Um, however, I think you know, and and I'll say you know, I read the research and the methods as far as how you design a survey and how you conduct a survey and how you analyze the data. Like, there's no problems there that I could see from a, a quick read. What I think, where I think they maybe went awry, was the development of the survey items to assess um, these you know potentially negative traits, right? In, yes. in cats, so they um, really um, took some very normal cat behaviors and kind of lumped them in with um, things that maybe some people perceive as problematic and then came up with these three um, factors. So when you, what they did was they surveyed people with several items, you know, 58 questions about cats, um, their cat, and had them answer, you know, does your cat do these things? And then they looked and see, to see how those items cluster into factors. So which items seem to be related to each other? So if your cat tends to um, be aggressive towards neighborhood cats, are they also more likely to, um, you know, enjoy new places, right? And so these, so they came up with these three factors, which were boldness, so that's how outgoing. Um, I think with the thinking that people who who have psychopathy tend to be um, kind of fearless, right? So that's kind of the, the analogy. Oh, and, you know, again, the problem is that it doesn't really fit 
You know, right. what's, what's normal for cats isn't fit for humans. And then the other two traits were um, one called disinhibition. So that's a lack of inhibition. So, you know, inhib- inhib- inhibition is when you stop yourself from doing every little thing that comes to your mind if it might have a bad outcome or lead to, you know, maybe hurting somebody. Okay. And then the third trait was meanness. And to me, that's just like... Um, Horrible. That's just mean. <laughs> yeah. I mean... It's just yeah, mean, it's mean to talk about <laughs> exactly. a cat being mean. Cats don't yes. be mean. They're not mean. They're doing behavior to survive, to protect themselves, to defend themselves, to live as cats do, as prey and predator in a world in which they're pretty much in a state of alertness to danger from the sure. day that they become conscious. After yeah, and it could be a coping strategy yes. if you're living in an environment that's scary or uh, out of your control. Yes. So, um, so, you know, I think that's really what frustrates me is you look at the, the questions about boldness. So that's one of the three factors of cat psychopathy, according to this um, study. And there are things like, um, you know, tormenting prey. Well, that's not really what cats are doing. That's a very loaded question. Cats do not torment their that's prey. Right. Um, you know, as part of the killing process, there's a lot of hesitancy because some of their prey can harm them. So if you're trying to kill a rat or a mouse, you could get bitten. And so um, some of those behaviors that we see are playful. They're actually hesitancy. Um, And so when you label a question in a way that's kind of looking for problems, you're going to find problems. And that's, you know, some of the problem with the survey is they're, you know, there's the, they're asking about normal cat behaviors, but then they're also kind of, um, the way they write the questions implies that there's a problem. So, okay, so you could say, that, that's a really good, sorry, go ahead. Oh, well, you could say, um, you know, it takes a long time to kill their prey, which is very different from tormenting their prey. Tormenting implies that the cat has a conscious yes. um, sense of, of like, I'm doing something bad. And that is not something that we have any evidence for. Um, and, and that's true in some of the other items too, like disobeys house rules. Let's go back like, to tormenting their prey. Let's do one okay. at a time so that people <laughs> okay. can stop and think about it. If sure. any of you have had a dog or a cat who has killed anything, you know, smaller than a, than a wild boar in front of you, the thing we as humans, if we aren't psychopaths, want to do is... T- put that little thing out of its misery and kill it straight away. We want to, you know, kill it if it's not 100% dead and therefore we perceive it as suffering. The cat, or in my case, I have dogs who, rather than going after large game as a Weimar runner, I think was originally supposed to, they think squirrels, rabbits, any kind of a chipmunk or, uh, you know, any small rodent, mole or vole, that's what they go after. And... They don't kill it straight away either. And it's not because they're evil and they can't wait to see it suffer like some creepy Hannibal Lecter type of person that's, you know, behind bars in a human prison. The dogs have gotten bitten on the nose by the squirrels they've caught. And sometimes they've let go, but other times they've figured out how to not get bitten by the thing that they're going after. The same thing with a cat, which can go after... These are cats in the wild, of course, are allowed to be outdoors. I mean, a lot of cats in England, for example, are supposed to be allowed outdoors and get baby bunnies, amongst other things. Uh, you know, sorry that we all love bunnies, but that's what happens in nature in the country. And they, sure. and the bunny could, the bunny has teeth, the bunny could bite the cat back. So it's not like a Jack Russell Terrier. I, I grew up with Bedlington Terriers, where Terriers instinctively throw whatever their prey is in the air and break its neck or its back. Right. So it's dead immediately. But because that's really, they are killing machines in a sense the way a cat is. 
really good at killing the thing they want or need or, or bred to do. But other kinds of dogs that aren't terriers, they don't have that knowledge. So they go at it. Wanda's gone after it. When she was a puppy, only six months old, she went after a woodchuck. I swear the thing was half her size. But she managed, and they're fierce. She managed to, you know, bring it to death without getting hurt herself, other than pretty much completely covered in its blood. If this seems gory to anybody, I'm a big believer that if you're going to own animals, try and give them the most natural life possible. And if they're able to overwhelm prey that's out there, I don't mean, you know, just going extinct songbirds, folks, but rats and mice in the case of cats, I think it's, it's good. I personally think it's good for us not to yeah. insulate everything in cotton wool. It lets those animals be their true selves and not live a life which could turn them into psychopaths, in a sense, <laughs> if they're never allowed to do any natural behavior. So sure. killing something straight away, I mean, do lions and tigers and cheetahs and jaguars, do they kill their prey straight away with one one shot to the jugular? I don't think so. Well. Yeah, and it's a little different because you're talking about some of those animals also hunt in groups. So, right. you know, good I point. think, good you know, point. when we, yeah. we look at cats, it's like, you know, you just, you know, like I said, when I went through the list of items that they use to assess psychopathy in cats, you know, I was joking about it with my boyfriend last night. We're like, oh, our cats do that. Oh, our cats do that. Our cats do that. Our cats do that. Um, these are all, you know, normal behaviors. Yes. And I don't think that, you know, people necessarily, um, have problems with some of these behaviors, but then to turn around and say, well, these cats have abnormal uh, mental health is really um, a disservice to the human-cat relationship because, um, you know, it's, it's really not helping. We already know people have a hard time understanding their cat's behavior yes. or modifying their cat's yes. behavior because they don't know how to train animals or how to... Um, you know, Shape give the them behavior. what they need. Yes. You know, it's you know, if we provide our cats with an environment that meets their needs, you're not going to see problematic behaviors, and hopefully, you will see some of these behaviors that are included with these negative traits, like exploring new places. Yes. Well, that's not something bad. Sitting right. in high places, that's something it's cats essential. Like to do. It's essential. Um, highly sociable with people is in the disinhibition factor, which you know, people usually like cats that want to. Um, that are highly sociable, but you know, one of the problem items is like, you know, sits on items I am using. Well, <laughs> I mean, one, what cat doesn't do that? And two, why do cats do that? They want attention, right? Is that they, really, right. um, does that make them right. uh, a psychopath? Like, no. So, um, you know, I think that's my main issue is just these, oh, the list is very normal behaviors. And if they are problematic behaviors, and certainly there are some problematic behaviors, like cats who are aggressive during play with people, um, there are ways to address that. And this doesn't even address the human part that's of right. what's promoting these behaviors. Many cats are aggressive during play with people because their human promotes it and doesn't play with them with toys and plays with them with their hands instead. Yes. So who's got the problem behavior now? Um <laughs> You know, so absolutely. Really, yeah, As a teachable me. moment, I think for those of us who are cat defenders and cat explainers, it's a, a very good teachable moment to say everything on the list of this many questions that people were asked, over 2,000 people were asked these 50-plus questions. When asking the question, it's a chance for those of us who stand up for cats and who unravel the mystery of cats to say, 
Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that. Let me explain to you why your cat is aggressive to other cats. Because he's territorial and the cats are spraying outside and they could be a danger. And actually they might very well be a danger because of all the reasons that loose cats can be dangerous to indoor cats. It's, it's a chance for us to understand that a cat who's aggressive to other cats is exhibiting appropriate species behavior. We're yeah. not all kumbaya, let's all be friends. You get your throat ripped out, you know? Yeah, and, yeah, and we can't put expectations of, again, our social norms on them. Right. Like one of the items is, does not appear guilty after misbehaving. And we know, um, like, I don't know if you've ever talked to Dr. Alexandra Horowitz, um, but she and Julie Heck did a really great study about the guilty yes. looking dog, yes. showing that, you know, dogs there is no do such not thing. feel guilt. Um, they feel afraid of us because they associate our behavior with like bad outcomes and being scared. So That's like, right. um, you know, so we, you know, to, to have this on here as an item and then to say something about the cat based on that, it's just not really understanding animal behavior, um, animal cognition. Um, and yeah, so, t- so to me, it's just um, a futile exercise because I don't, I think unfortunately this study does not really um, add to our understanding of cat behavior. It may it may set it back a bit, which, as it you may. say, was certainly not the intention. But it, it the unintended consequence is to stamp cat behavior as something negative, um, seen through a lens that is not cat-centric and disrespectful of who cats really are. So I'm, I'm looking forward to people thinking about these things and when you just to wrap up because we've run out of time when you see your cat doing something you don't like figure out what part of that is you imposing Mm -hmm. on the cat desired behavior or reactions or responses that are not what a cat can do so please see your cats as the very special creatures they are and don't prejudge them or judge them or criticize them by human standards it's not fair to them and in the end robs you of a wonderful relationship Thank you so much, Dr. Michael Delgado, for always being here for the kitties. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. I hope this conversation has deepened your understanding and affection for cats everywhere. It's been brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, which has broken new ground by creating a healthy, dry, and canned food for kitties called Clean Protein, which is inspired by the protein levels found in a cat's natural prey. I recommend that wet food should always be your cat's primary diet, but clean protein is the first dry cat food I believe can be a healthy choice if you want to feed dry food, even as part of your kitty's diet.